Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. Let's uh, open our Bibles to Judges chapter 6. If that sounds familiar, it's because we've read from there the past three weeks. Hope, 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 hope. I wish I could, I should just have a, a banner whenever I speak about this that just says, joyful expectation for good. Joyful expectation for good. Not wish, not Hail Mary. Joyful expectation for good. Because as I say this, every time I say hope, I even have to shift my mind. You know, I have to, I have to shift back, but I, but it is part of the renewing of my mind. I'm starting to not, not just accept that this is the way I see a word, but actually redeem the word back to what it's supposed to be. So, so I'm, so I'm doing that with this hope thing. And, and I feel like we've been on this progression of hope. Um, there's so much to this word, right? We could sit here for the next six months and we might speaking on hope and, and dealing with some of the revelation that's within this word. But there's, there's been a, a progression that I feel like is kind of, there's a, there's a period being put on it t- today. Um, but this progression has been this. It it's starts with the identity of, in hope. And that comes with just the, the revelation, the understanding of hope is a joy-filled expectation for good. When I say hope, I'm not wishing for something. I have an expectation, and I'm, it fills me with joy. There's the identity of uh, through revelation of hope, and then that goes into a being filled with hope, and that comes from, remember we talked about last week, a different perspective, a shifting, a lining up with the perspective of Yahweh. That goes along with the John 12 story of, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it. There's a, there's a perspective shift. There's a seeing it from his outside of time, outside of circumstance, that I see glory. I don't see the breakthrough. I don't see the circumstance. Though we might experience some of those things here on earth, what he sees is glory to glory, and that fills me with hope. I hope it does you as well. Um, there's, there's just this infilling of hope. And then I, I believe what, what he's taking then in, us into is the responsibility of hope or response of hope. There's just this progression, and, and, it, and I see it so much in a couple stories here in the Bible that Yahweh shown me this, this progression. And so it doesn't matter where we are in that, but this is the progression I see cycling through us. Hope is the backbone of our faith. It really, it really is. I think Steve Skinner, you pulled out um, that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. It, it faith is the substance of hope. If you if you say it a different way, you could say that hope. This is just m- my words. This is how I see it. Hope. Uh, hope makes my faith real. Hope makes my faith alive. Hope renews my faith. Having hope in Him renews my faith, and then you know what it does is it gives testimony to a world 
where eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor entered into the heart of man. It, it goes from, it goes from a, 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 a feeling of hope, of joy-filled expectation into a place of faith. And we're called to be a people of faith, right? My mom has spoken that, and that's, we're moving from the faithful people to the people of faith. And that gives testimony to a world that there is something that's li- alive within us that you might not see, but it is absolutely real, right? And an awareness of who we are. So hope is the backbone of faith in the kingdom. And I, uh, I was thinking this week about um, a story when I first had kind of been sat in this place and, um, and I, was, I was asked to come to a, um, to, to a hospital visit. Someone asked me to come um, to pray for them, to be there. And it was a really hopeless like there's no good report type of situation. And that is already a difficult thing to walk in just in any situation, just for anyone. But dealing with being so new and not knowing, I I thought that maybe I need to have this, I need to have a different perspective. I need to come in. I have to have the right words. I didn't know, am I supposed to put my hands on them, pray and see things change? Am I supposed to write something down that, you know, to give to them? How, how am I supposed to respond as a pastor or as a leader here? And, and what are they expecting from me? And, and, and I filled my head with all these things and really fear started to set in, in in that moment as I'm driving. And the only thing I knew to do at the moment was to call Apostle Aaron Smith, a man who really speaks so much into my life and is such a, such a believer in this house and such a, such a, a rock here for us, whether you're close with him, whatever it might be. But as I called him, I'll just be honest with you. My first thought was, why did I call Apostle Aaron? Because I want that word of knowledge. I want that, you know, that word that's like, here, right now you can use this. And Apostle Aaron speaks in the world of mystery. And I thought we'd be calling on the seven spirits of the Lord, being our talits, going up to the mountain of Zion and finding all these. That's what I thought. And it's not, I don't, I don't make a light of that. I believe in all of that. But those are things that I accept as something that is renewing my mind, that challenges my thought process. And I receive all of that and I'm so thankful for all of that. But in that moment, I was not looking to go through that process. And so as the phone's ringing, I'm like, please don't pick up, please don't pick up, please don't pick up, please don't pick up. Hey, Mark, how's it going? So I go through this moment of just telling Apostle Aaron all the, you know, all the reasons why I'm fearful of this, of this time. I, you know, I don't know what, please, you just give me something to say. Uh, what do I say? And it kept, it kept coming out. You know, I, I just don't know what to say in a moment like this. I don't know what to, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, how to do this. What, what, what am I, what is expected of me? And he listened through me just rambling on and, and, and I was, and then I was trying to make sure that I covered all my bases. So he knew what, where I'm coming from with this. And this is what he said to me. He said, Mark, they don't need your words. They need your hope. They need to see a man seated in peace. They need hope. And I haven't thought about this for a long time. And I don't, and at the time I didn't really feel like I, I really understood what hope was. I I just kind of saw it as that thing of like, Hey, we let's believe in this guys. Let's get in there and let's really believe. But he just said, you, you be, they need to see some resolve. They need to see a man of hope, not words, a man of hope. And I was like, 
okay, well, I sat in my car and something just flooded over me. At the time I didn't have revelation of what it was, but it was, it was absolutely the peace that passes understanding. We talk about this all the time, be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving in our hearts, make our requests known unto Yahweh. And he doesn't come in and give us the answer to that situation. And in a moment like this, this was kind of what Apostle Aaron did for me. He didn't give me the answer I was looking for. Okay, Mark, this is what I, here's what I always say whenever I go into situations like that. Here's the prayer you pray. You need to lay on hands and you need to cast out these demons. You need to do these things. Like he didn't give me any of that stuff. He gave me one word, which was hope. And from that hope flowed peace. And it's how Yahweh responds to these situations when we're anxious for things and we bring things to him. He comes back with this peace that passes understanding. I can't give you words to say because you wouldn't understand them. So I'm just going to cause you to be peace. I'm going to cause you to be seated in peace. That to me is one of the most powerful things that I could have ever seen in scripture is just that it's not about the fact that I have to pray and I need to see a result that the result is the peace that passes understanding. So Apostle Aaron gives me this thing, and I, I'm flooded with peace. And, um, and, I, and I, was, I was thinking about this this week. I mean, we, we do come into these circumstances, and they're, they can be difficult. And they can seem somewhat hopeless. And, and how do we approach those things? And, it's, and it is this, that we are to be hope. That is who we are. We are a joyful expectation for good. And I heard someone say, I won't mention their name because they're in this building and uh, I'm just not going to do it. So, but, and I felt the same way. So, but they said, I'm, I believe in hope and I love the message of hope. But in this particular circumstance, I don't quite see a joy-filled expectation. Therefore, I'm just going to make the declaration of hope. I'm just going to say, I'm a man of hope. Because in this situation, I don't see the joy-filled expectation. And I was, I was like, man, that's how I feel too. So maybe it is just a declaration. Sometimes there is that, but we need to realize, what does, what does David say in Psalms about hope? He says, quiet my soul. Quiet my soul. My hope is in the Lord. That's where it's found. So there comes this, just again, a small shift of this thing. In a hopeless situation, there is hope, but it's not found in the success or the failure of the situation. It's found in the glory of him. That everything in in his world is glory. From glory to glory. And we have to free ourselves from the me consciousness of how is this thing gonna play out? Because at the end of every situation is another glory. And that's, that honestly, in a natural way, that's a hard one to accept. It's a hard one to come into. But if we get that infilling of us being who we are, identified in Christ, identified in hope, stepping into a different perspective, what I believe we start to receive is the response of hope, the responsibility of hope. And uh, Apostle Ball, I feel like I'm telling a whole lot of stories right now. That's what I do. Um, but, uh, apostle ball, um, he told me, I've, I've mentioned this story quite a few times over the past, um, couple of weeks and 
really for a while, but when I, uh, one of the last things he said to me, or not the one, this was the last thing he said to me. He actually was alive for a time after this, um, but I never, there was moments he was around, he would come, and I never was around. And I just believe because this is what was meant to linger with me. But he laid his hand on my head and he said, somebody is going to have to restore hope to the people. And at the time that he said that, it became, immediately became a burden to me. Immediately became a burden to me. And my mind starts spinning of how that looks and what that's going to do and, and how, what, what am I going to have to be and do in order to make that hope happen. And, you know, we got to get in there and believe and have some events and make things exciting again, get people excited. It's got to, we got to believe for something. It's, that's where I was. And I'm going to tell you today that today I'm not speaking about hope. And before you let my head roll in this, hear me out. I'm not speaking and I'm not, uh, I'm not bringing this word of hope because Apostle Paul said for me to bring hope to the people. Apostle Paul, though he's here in the supernatural and the spirit world, and, and I don't even know what those things look like, but Apostle Paul is not... I'm not being guided except for an inspirational or a, uh, or a way to live life. I'm not, I'm not burdened by what he told me to do. Apostle finished and he finished strong, but I'm activated by a teaching that he taught me, which was to hear Holy Spirit and to let that thing become alive in me. So if he speaks that to me and it's a burden, it's, my, it's the best thing for me to do is to go to Yeshua and exchange that burden with his burden. Not to be burdenless, not to be yokeless, but exchange your burden for my burden, my burden for your burden, because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I'm meant to carry a burden, but not one that actually burdens me in the natural. And so I, so I, so I tried for a while in this to, what do I do with hope? How do I, how do I, you know, how do I make this thing happen? And we tried some things and we did some things and, and, and it's, and it's all led us to here. So I'm all good with that. But it, but, but it, it burdened me. And I eventually came to the place where I just forgot about hope. And then I started to experience hope. I went through this time of, we all went through this time of hopelessness. And even though we didn't have the words for it, Yahweh through this year has restored some hope within us, some joy-filled expectation, even when the circumstance still doesn't look quite like it's going to play out how we think it should. There's a joyful expectation for good within me. And what happened is I went from a burden to a revelation, seeing something for the first time that I've been looking at all along. I'm not the first person that brought up the, the, did the word, did the word hope mean joy-filled expectation before I brought that? Yeah, always has. I'm sure that there's pastors or inspirational speakers or just people that knew that and have said that and have spoken it. But unless it becomes a revelation in, a, in life to us through Holy Spirit, then it's just words. And so I just believe that this is what Yahweh is doing in the earth right now is raising up families like ours filled with hope that are a standard of a joy-filled expectation that is, that is making way for people to see that there is something outside of what I can see. That there is a, there is a reason that there's joy-filled expectation. There's a people of faith here that are activating some things. And, and we're, they're walking as if Christ lives within them. That there is something alive. Do you realize that we don't, the, the standard of the Bible 
and the promises within them or the promises that Yahweh has spoken of our lives do not change based on our ability to fathom or understand them. The same spirit, I can't fathom that one. I and him and him and me. This is, this, it's such a squirrely thing. I can just feel it when I, when, when I ever say this to myself. My, my actual uh, something in me dies a little bit. That I, Christ within me, is the hope of glory. Greater works shall we do that we're, that we're, he didn't come to model a life that we can't live. He came to model a life as a son and what we have access to. Thy kingdom come. The kingdom is alive within us. The scripture tells us that the kingdom is within you. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. How does it say that his will is done? We just said this. By the renewing of our mind, that's how we see the perfect will of God. Coming into agreement with what's happening in heaven. Not to, let's make this heaven. Let's make this earth operate from the rules of heaven. And we can experience that today. I, I, I truly believe that there's, that there's where we're, our mind is being renewed. There is, a, there is a shifting in this mind that this is getting changed. But as far as what we have access to, that's consistent. The variable is this mind getting renewed. To come into the mind of Christ. But I think that what fills my heart with hope is to understand that it's not just this process of becoming. It's not really this process of becoming. Hope fills me with the, man, he died and was resurrected within me. He lives and I am the hope of glory. And I'm just, I'm just renewing this mind when I come in here and Holy Spirit speaking things to me or speaking things to you. When we come into a place of agreement in worship with who he is and we activate some things that our mind is consistently being renewed and we're waking up to the fact of what responsibility we're supposed to walk in in the first place. Somebody's got to shout to that one. Come on. Don't make me preach up here. Mm. Sometimes I don't, I, I don't, I don't have the preacher thing, so I don't know how to get loud so that people get in there with me. So I just, I put that on you. Go ahead and shout so I can feel. But Yahweh is, he, I believe he's raising up these families, these people of hope. I don't believe it's just here. I believe that we're responsible for where we are. But this is a, a model that I believe is happening all over the planet today. That I believe that there are people gathering, and some are greater, some are smaller. Doesn't matter. There's, it's the heart of the people. There could be 15 million people in a room. I don't care if they have the heart of the family. If they're in agreement with the will of Yahweh that makes them family, then, then that's awesome. That's awesome. So we're so quick to be like, well, they're a mega church. So they are, and it's not, I wouldn't think it would be easy to get to that status focused on Holy Spirit, right? With it just letting him come in. There's not a whole lot of people that are willing to just say, whatever, however, which is what I say every time I step out of my office is I just go, Yahweh, whatever, however, that's basically what I say. And uh, make this about you. And so, 
There's not a lot of people, but, but I believe that day is coming and I believe that we don't need to be surprised by it coming. And so, so it's, uh, so there is going to be growth in this thing, but there's, there's families being raised up in hope that are seeing that don't just say this, don't just say, man, that's a great story right there. That they, they actually taste and see the kingdom that they actually start to waken up, awake to the idea that they are, they are the hope of the glory that covers the earth like the waters cover the sea. That is them. That is us. And, and that speaks to people. Rem- remember what Apostle Aaron said to me, not my words, my hope. That's what changes people, is the, and that's what the responsibility we carry to walk through this process of hope, to go from identity and hope moving into a renewed mind and stepping into a response of hope. The responsibility, actually, that word didn't change to mean what we think it to mean until uh, late in the 1600s or something like that. But when it was originally uh, made, it actually just meant respond. So that's why I say responsibility, but the response, the response of hope. So there's, there's something, like I say, when, when there's something that I say, when there's something that Ben does on the guitar or some, some word that don't be shy, let's not be, let's be the confident people that, man, that resonated with me. Let me shout in that. Let me dance. Let me, let me raise my hands. Let there be a response of hope within you that filled my life with hope. Let me just at least say, amen. Let me just raise my hand. Let's not act as a people that does not have hope because you know what the measuring rod for hope is? Joy unspeakable, full of glory. Hope is a joy-filled expectation, an expectation that fills me with joy. So let's act as people that have joy. We, the Bible says we mourn, but not as those who have no hope. Even in the times that we are low, even in the times where circumstance happens and things come up, hope is, is there. Hope still exists. We're not to mourn as those who have no hope. Chapter six of Judges. This is the story of Gideon that we've been reading. And I just want to dive a little deeper into it. And then I want to, I want to mirror this story. I just, Yahweh showed me another story that is exactly like this in a different circumstance. And it just shows this progression. And I just, I I feel the need to highlight that this morning. It's really powerful. So um, I'm going to kind of skim through some of this. If you haven't heard it, go back and read it yourself or go back and just listen to We Have Podcasts. The past two weeks have been about hope in this story here. So chapter six, um, we're in a place here that Israel has been in a time of famine, not because they haven't had a harvest, but because the Midianites are ru- ruling their land. They're coming down from the mountains and taking everything that they, uh, that they own, whether it be um, uh, wheat or, or, or cattle or whatever they have that is produced and, and that seems to be a harvest, they're getting it s- stripped from them. And I, I said this last week, but I, I think it's important when we read stories that I'm not going to be up here to read a Bible story to you. We don't have Sunday school ministry and this isn't, you know, just whatever, just teachy whatever stuff. This is, I want us to be within these stories because I, I said that we're not a people that just read about it, not a people that just have hope. My, my son, Frank, is, he and Leo both are in love with the, with the, the show Daniel Tiger, which, you know, people that 
have kids, they know what I'm talking about. People that don't probably have no idea, but Daniel Tiger is just a cartoon little spinoff of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood or whatever. So um, it's a really cute show, awesome. But one thing about the, the show that they do is they always have some ridiculous activity that they do. There's like, you know, they, they're going to build an inside beach. I'm like, what? An inside beach. And so they do all these things and they, are they going to have some, build this huge tower, build airplanes or whatever it might be. And, and Frank can hardly get through the show without wanting us to do the activity. And sometimes I want to write these writers and just say, listen, episode 12, like hate is a strong word, but I really dislike you for this one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Frank always, he wants to experience. He doesn't, and that's such a childlike response. And I think that that's the response we should have. When we read stories like this, immerse yourself in the story and realize that it wasn't meant for us to read and go, man, it's inspirational. The kingdom is not a spectator sport. It's a life meant to li- be lived in the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what we need to come to the realization of. So just to put you there, think about this. Your children are sitting at your table and you've just made food for them. Or your family is sitting at the table. You've just prepared food for them. They're hungry. And all of a sudden, someone comes in and strips that from you. Every single time you sit down to eat, every single time that there's anything that you produce with your hands, it's stripped from you. And now all of a sudden, your, your, your kids are coming to you and saying, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm hurting. People around you are dying that you love. That's the situation that they're in. That's the depth. It's not, well, you know, we read these things. It was famine in the Bible. Yep, that happens to the Israelites a lot. That's just, you know, par for the course. But think about what that means to not eat, to have everything that you, that you, uh, that you, that you, that gives you nourishment, that gives you source of life that's being stripped from you and you're hungry and you're miserable and your kids are hungry and they're miserable and your friends are hungry and miserable. People are dying. Kids are dying. Things are terrible. And, and, then, and then there's this thing, though, that you have come from a time that was successful in the presence of Yahweh. I think that in this moment, you're feeling pretty uh, abandoned and hopeless. Abandoned and hopeless. And so that's where we find Gideon. <clears throat> verse 11, chapter 6, verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Afra which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, Yahweh is with you, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> this is, we're, we're, here we go. We're going through the progression. That's why, that's why we're coming back to the story. Hear this, hear this out. Follow me. First, the identity. First, the identity of hope. Gideon is hiding. He is hiding stuff because he's scared someone's going to come in and take something from him. And he calls him a mighty man of valor. Let me give you the definition of valor. (laughs) It's courage in the face of fear. If you read anything about the rest of the story of Gideon, if you go through and look at how he gets to where he's at and all this stuff, 
you will find out the things that Yahweh uses to describe Gideon are so far from him. He's not a man of valor in the natural. That is not where he, where he kind of flows to and, and, and is, is naturally bent to. He, he's constantly questioning everything. He's constantly in fear. He always wants Yahweh to prove something to him, yet he comes and he's found in hiding something. And, and Yahweh comes in, the, the angel of the Lord says, mighty man of valor. It, it just, I love that because it takes our excuse away. <laughs> Well, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, a preacher and I'm not, uh, you know, they obviously have come into um, some enlightenment that I can't quite get. It's not, I don't know, I'm not really a confident person. I always am, you know, I deal with depression. I have all these things. Those might be very real here, but that's not what Yahweh sees. I'm I'm so badly wanted to just be able to get through these stories. But I just have to say this other story is that, you know, Yeshua on on the boat sleeping in the ship when the storm's coming. He he comes back and he says, when he comes to calm the storm and the disciples come to him and do you not care that we're perishing, all this stuff. And he comes in and he says, he says, peace be still. But he rebukes that storm first. He rebukes it. He tells it to calm down chill out in his authority. And then he, then you know what he does? He turns around and he questions their faith. But see, they came to him and brought a real, real feeling to him. And he answered their prayer, their request. But he so desires us to step into the anointing and say, why, why, I want them to see that they have the declaration within them, that I didn't have to wake up. They had it within them. Peace, be still, was within you. You had the ability to affect the surroundings and the things that were happening around you. But because of your idea... Because of your idea that, that things, have to, things have to play out this way and I'm just not quite Jesus, I'm just not quite this and I'm just a little bit depressed today and I'm just, things aren't playing out a little bit how I think that they should and there's no way he's choosing me for this thing and then you go back and read scriptures like Gideon, like David and you realize that he picks the lowly ones. He picks the ones that have no dog in the fight, that there's no possible way. He is a God of impossibilities. <clears throat> that's the perspective shift. When things get impossible, that's when it shows up. Hope is not needed outside of circumstance. I don't need hope if heaven is earth and earth is heaven. I'm getting back to the story. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is, if Yahweh is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are his, all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, which our fathers told us about the good old glory days, man, things are so much better. So I can just sit back and remember when, you know, things were different and it was just, yeah, there's just a move of Yahweh. 
I mean, people just the charismatic people just, I mean, thinks healings, crazy things taking place. This is, oh my gosh. That was glory, but it doesn't compare to the glory that we have accessible to us today. And the longer we sit there and say, I'm, I'm, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because of that. That will be our beacon. That will be our, our gauge of success. And once we get back to where we were, no, I want to be where we're supposed to be today because it does not compare to that of the old. Which our fathers told us about saying, did the Lord not bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. It's this idea that we're, that we, that he doesn't see us the same way he saw those great men before us. Then the Lord turned to him and he said, I didn't hear what you just said. (laughs) In fact, shut your mouth, Gideon, just keep it, just be quiet. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours that you just, just perfectly displayed for me just there in that statement. It's such a, Yahweh does not have our perspective and thank God, thank Yahweh that he doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Good Lord. Some of our perspectives on things. I'm so thankful that he just doesn't listen. I'm thankful that the prayer wasn't answered. I'm thankful that he didn't deliver me. Yahweh, please. I just want to get to the place that I have. I can see the two options in front of me and I just say, glorify your name, whatever, however, glorify your name. Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And have I not sent you? So then mighty Gideon of valor and zeal and just has everything figured out. He says to him, oh, my Lord. How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites. As what? As one man. So I'm looking for a little relief here, Yahweh, for you to come into agreement with you. Yeah, yeah, man, you, you are a little bit low there, but don't worry. I got your back. We'll get through this. Don't worry. No, he says, again, I don't hear you. In fact, I'm going to make it more difficult. As one man, you're going to defeat the Midianites. How about that perspective shift for you there, Gideon? And we go, we'll jump through this, get into seven verse two. But in, that, in the midst of all of that, Gideon goes through questioning. He goes, but Yahweh brings him to the place. And it, it, it doesn't matter. He, Yahweh brings him to this place where he's glorified. There's many people that are willing to fight for Gideon. That we're, we're going to we finally start to build some of this perceived hope that we have. The circumstance is starting to get a lot better because we got some guys that have started to become warriors and things. People are fired up and we probably can take these Midianites now. And he comes to the place, he says, and the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give to the Midianites into the, to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for it itself again against me saying, my own hand, save me. <laughs> my own hand, save me. So we, we are, we are people a lot of times of my own hand, save me, but I'm going to give the glory to Yahweh. <laughs> 
Let me get through this circumstance, this situation. I'm tell you what, I'm going to bring the biggest, fattest check on Sunday, and I'm going to worship the Lord, and I'm going to give my testimony of how he brought me through. And a lot of times when you listen to those testimonies, you just realize, you just told me what you did and then gave glory to Yahweh. The fact that you can even speak it sometimes means that it wasn't all that impossible. There's things that have happened in my life I couldn't sit down and explain to you right now, like right this moment. (laughs) My own hand has saved me. And you know that Gideon just is in this moment freaking out again, like he does. Well, okay, give me another sign, Yahweh. What do I need to do? What do I, how do I do this? This is, I'm the weak one, you know, again, goes back to that thing. And you know what, Yahweh, he's not, he's, this actually lines up with what he said in the first place. I didn't say I was going to defeat the Midianites with everybody and their brother. I said as one man. So actually, this, this impossibility shifting thing if we really are in, in tune with what Yahweh spoke to us in the first place, he's, he's creating the field for how he operates. So he starts this, now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people saying, whoever is fearful, blah, blah, blah. I don't mean to say blah, blah, blah. That's not very good in that moment. But coming through this just to save time. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but there, there's still too many. He gets down to the place of that 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. 10,000 people. Okay, we had 22,000 return. Now we have the 10,000. Maybe we can still work with that. We can still make some loud noises. We're good to go. Still too many. And he tells them to bring them down to the water. And he says, those that lapped from their hands, that will be the ones that, that you take with you. The 300 is what it turns out to be. Verse 8. <clears throat> So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and he retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. It happened on the same night that Yahweh said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered them into your hand. So here here we go. Let's shift again. Remember the progression. First, identity and hope. Yahweh spends his whole time with Gideon. Shifting that perspective of himself, that there is, there is a revelation of hope I'm trying to give you. Now he comes into inviting him into a place of seeing it from my perspective. Because the army, I've said this before, but the, the, the Midianites had not been defeated at all. Not at all in the natural But from Yahweh's perspective, he says this, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered them into your hand. Knowing Gideon, he turns and says, but if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. I'm going to put my perspective on their own lips to glorify my name, even the enemy. I need you to go down in what you fear and face that thing. And so there's the dream. Again, I'm, I, you go back and listen to this or go back and read this, but for time's sake, I'm going to skip through this. There's a dream that they have that, that Gideon hears. And basically the enemy is saying that the, the dream means that Gideon and the Israelites will defeat. They already have been defeated. 
They have already believed it. You know, Michael Jordan, they always said that he beat you before he even stepped on the court. In the Bible, they used to just carry banners above that said the name Yahweh and enemies would leave. They were already defeated before the, the battle had even been fought. <clears throat> but this is where it gets really, really cool. And I kept reading through this. So, so, so we, got the, we had the perspective of Yahweh. And now here comes the response of hope. The progression, the response of hope. Gideon aligns his word with the perspective, perspective of Yahweh, and it says, arise. Again, arise, this is what Yahweh says, arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered them into your hand. Now, uh, Gideon makes a statement, arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. There's a, there's a meshing, an agreement that comes. These two, two perspectives becoming one. There's a response of the hope within you. And so this is where it gets cool. So then he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. When did Yahweh tell him to do this? He didn't. Throughout the story, he's always telling Gideon, he's showing him, but he starts to fill him with hope. And now the hope that's within him starts to respond. He starts to respond and he starts to say, then he divided, the wisdom comes on Gideon. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with the empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch and when I come down to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say this, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon as one man, as one man, glorify me and I will glorify you. Glorify me and I will gl- come into my perspective and watch what I do with you. As one man, as one man, a fearful, lowly in his family, could not do it, depressed, hiding, scared, seeing what has been. Now this is terrible, out of the presence of Yahweh. Can't He so, so, so does not see what you see and comes in and he defeats Midian as one man. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon, that's what defeats the Midianites. That's powerful. Let's jump into Joshua. Whoa, gosh. Let's jump into Joshua 6 because this is, this is the story I'm saying mirrors this one so beautifully and so powerful and so amazing because it shows the progression. And you can just see this come alive in your life. Remember, to, to, taste, to taste and see, to experience this. This is what Yahweh does in us. This is the hope process. So Joshua, we're going to read five Verse 13, and it came to pass when Joshua was, in Jer- was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, I love, I love the New King James version of this because it says, uh, he said, are you, are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, no, <laughs> just straight up like, like. 
no, just, <laughs> I just see him like just sitting there. That was a dumb question. So I'm just going to say no, uh, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And just a little touch on that real quick. We, we need to stop showing what we're against and just start showing who we're for. We're just, we're so, I just feel like the church is so about, and, and just people are so about like, this is wrong and that is wrong. And I, I don't, this is what I believe about this. And this is how I believe about this. This is what I'm going to do. This is, I'm going to cut this thing and we're going to, and we're always looking for this slashing with a sword. And I'm exhausted by that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I might dwell in his house all the days of my life. That's, that's it, man. Like, what are we for? I'm for him. I'm for the word of Yahweh in my life, in my family's life, and you're my family. I'm for the word of the Lord here. Let everything else flow away. Just say no. Don't, don't just don't. What he's basically saying is like, no, I don't know. That doesn't exist here. You know what I'm saying? Like, no means, no means like, I don't, that, that's not in here. I'm so renewed and I'm so of heaven that just no, <laughs> no, no. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come and Joshua fell on his face to the earth and he worshiped and said to him, what does the Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. Again, there's such a perspective shift in this thing. I, we talked about the, the earth and what are you talking about? Hallowed ground. What are you talking about that this place is holy? I'm talking about this earth that we stand on. When we plant those trees into the ground, making the declaration that this is going to go from glory to glory, ever increasing. This is where Yahweh has us on this land as a family. And I'm so thankful to be here because there's Yahweh chose this plot of land. There's so much history here. There's so much things that have been done all along the way, but it doesn't even compare to what my kids will experience and what their kids will experience. And you come here 500 years from now and you just see the glory on this land. It's going to be incredible. So take your sandal off your foot for the place you stand is holy. The progression, starting back in Joshua 1, we remember about Joshua, that Joshua was not a man of much courage and faith in who he was. In fact, just like Gideon, he questioned because the man that came before him was Moses. You know, like, that's who I'm going to, that's the shoes I'm going to fill? Thanks. Sweet. Yeah, I can see myself there. Moses. But what does Yahweh say to him? He deals with the perspective and the identity, the hope identity. Be strong and courageous. No, no, be strong and very courageous. Joshua, look me in the eyes. Be strong and courageous. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I have commanded you. Have I not sent you? What did he say to Gideon? Have I not sent you? Stop with your perspective and excuse. Again, the promises of Yahweh, the promises of Scripture do not alter because of our ability to fathom them and understand or believe them. They're still there. Yahweh doesn't say from glory to... Oh, Ben's not quite getting it. I'm, 
it's a little bit lesser. It's still glory, but right here, okay? Until he gets it, and we'll go back up to glory. No, Yahweh sees from glory to glory to glory to glory. So my perspective of you and the identity that I have in you, and this is a place, if you need to stay here for a long time, you will not be doing yourself an injustice. Come into beloved identity. Come into understanding of who he is, but know who you are and who he's designed you to be. That is what we're awakening into through the renewing of our minds. So he, so, so uh, six one. Now Jericho was securely shut up. Very important scripture, part of the scripture. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went in and none came out. Verse two. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor perspective shift once again, just like Gideon, just like Gideon, go down. I've delivered them into your hands. I've done this already. It's, you don't see that like I see it. I'm going to show you, go down and let me, let me give you my perspective. Let me fill you with hope. Let me, let me give you my hope. Again, this isn't, this isn't our hope. This isn't something we manufacture and make. It's not our righteousness. It's not our joy. It's not our peace. If it is, it's understandable. It doesn't surpass understanding. <clears throat> See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. But what did 6-1 say? Now Jericho was securely shut up. Because of the children of Israel, no one went in and no one came out. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. He tells them what to do. We know the story of, of Jericho. We know that, that marching around seven times. And he comes to this, uh, this place on uh, verse 15. Jumping ahead to verse 15. We're in chapter 6, verse 15. Well, let's start at 14. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did for six days. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they arose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets. And Joshua said to the people, This this right here, when he says, shout to the Lord, shout for the Lord has given you the city. This is so like, let me see if I can just do this this way. This, this, this is so mirror image of what he does in, in Judges with, with Gideon. Arise, go down against the camp for I have delivered it into your hand. Gideon, later on, after he's faced with the thing, of impossible. Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. After going through it and facing the fear and facing the, the protocol of what Yahweh has for him and him filling him with hope, he goes and he says to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Before the city. You see, that that's important. That's the important key here is it's before the deliver. It's not about, so like what I said, I just don't see hope in this. I just don't see a joyful expectation in this thing. It's just, a diff, it's just a, the wrong perspective. The hope is in him. 
The hope is in his perspective. The hope, hope comes, it's not, the, it's not the, the results-driven circumstance. He made the declaration before the thing had even been done. He didn't make the declaration after. Now you shout unto the Lord because he's been, it's, it's, all, it's all crumbled down and we can rejoice, right? He's asking us not to see the possibility of success in something. He's asking us to see the impossibility and understand that that's the way the kingdom operates. So the flow of hope, what I feel like Yahweh has shown me in this thing is this. There's a beloved identity we have to come into and we have to stop using our excuse not to come into it. We've got to let go of the fear. And you know how all of this happens? Let me not confuse you and make you think that this is difficult to get to. Return to your stronghold, your, your, strong, your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Within the presence of Yahweh, hope is like a prison that you cannot escape from. All of this, if you ever hear me preach, you know what I'm ever gonna, always going to come back to? Always. One thing have I desired of the Lord. I seek his presence and everything else. Seek ye first the kingdom and everything will be added to you. I, I'm about him. I'm not, no, no about how this is supposed to look and what I'm for and what I'm against and what I accept and what I don't accept. No, this house is a house of worship and it says one thing have I desired. One thing. So the perspective shift the identity. Then from the identity, we step into, we step into the perspective. We, te- we step into the filling of hope. Identity to filling of hope. All of this happens through the presence of Yahweh, through, through not making this a Sunday morning thing, but a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle of hope. I can teach you these words, but unless you desire to taste and see, this will always remain words. In the presence, it's identity. That's the first thing we're starting to feel. I feel like, I just feel like a new identity. I've been singing lately. I shared this with the staff. I've been singing lately the song, which seems so not like what I would sing, but is Rain Upon My Desert, which was Apostle Ball's song. And you know what? The thing that's weird to me is I believe so much that we're plugged into a source and there's a river that flows and it's not just a rain upon my desert, but I'm plugged into the source, a river that never runs dry but I find myself singing rain upon my desert. And I just, you know, Yahweh, what, are you, what is this? Why do I keep singing this song? Is it just catchy? What is the thing? And he says, I'm showing you deserts in your life that need some rain. Some things, some areas that, that you, you might be plugged in and you might be, but I am constantly asking to step into a deeper revelation of who Christ is within me and ultimately who I am. And so I ask for those times of rain. I ask for those times where we come together to say, holy, 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 so that we just get a new perspective of heaven and how he sees us. I'm plugged into the source, man. I live in a life of presence, but sometimes he just comes in in a way I can't explain, I can't fathom, and it just rains on a desert that I didn't even knew existed in my life, and I'm thankful for it. So identity. Then we go into this, this hope-filled uh, perspective. And then there comes this responsibility. There comes a responsibility of hope or a response of hope. 
the response of hope. And that looks a lot like you making, you being the one to declare what Yahweh declared to you. Stop waiting for him to do it. This is the world where intercession becomes real. This is the world where your impossible is possible through Christ within you that you start to awaken, that we start to awaken as a family, maybe one of the first of its kind on this planet that start to step into the depth of who we are and what's inside of us and what that was all about when Yeshua died on the cross and then was resurrected and when we were filled with the power of Holy Spirit. I believe things are going to start to come alive and we're going to carry the responsibility of hope because as I always say, that free people, free people, that we come into a place, people filled with hope, fill others with hope. You can't do that if all you're worried about is cutting down and figuring out what's not right and what's wrong and what politician I agree with and where I stand on this, this, this thing. I mean, just step in to the responsibility of hope and that response, be hope. We don't need the words Words are great, but if you aren't living it, you'll never lead anybody into something you aren't living yourself. Walk into the revelation of who you are, then be filled with the hope, and then realize this statement. It is Christ within you that is the joy-filled expectation of glory. For this planet, for the people around you, for your situation, Yahweh comes in, says, be anxious for nothing. Give me all these requests. I'm going to give you peace. Why am I giving you peace? Because from a seed of peace flows hope, flows life, and you can accomplish the thing that you came to me for. I didn't put you on this planet so I can have, we don't get these tools so that we can have a good life, that everything works out right. Stop limiting that spirit within you to that, to the good life. Because that looks different for a lot of people. There's no better life to me than that right there. That little girl and that beautiful woman and those two boys. That's my life. I've made it. That's a natural thing. I, 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 my, my life, what I'm realizing and that I'm dying to is this expectation of what I have to have it look like and that these tools and these things that Yahweh's given me and the infilling of Holy Spirit means to, is, is there for me to make declarations, to make my situation just better. You worry about what he's calling you to do and he'll take care of you. Everything, be anxious for nothing because I got you. Now sit in peace so I can make you a, a king and a priest over this land, that I can make you above and not beneath, that I can make you the, the lender and not the borrower. I can't do that when you have a poverty mentality and you're always stepping into this thing of, man, this is me and I can't do this and Yahweh, please bring this and Yahweh, please help me here and please, those are things that are real and happen. But at the end of it, we do not mourn as those who have no hope. We are a people filled with hope and no matter what happens and no matter what circumstance, at the other side of that is glory and at the other side of that is hope. And that hope is what is gonna make your faith come alive. Alive and testify of a, of a world that is unseen, that lives within you. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.